you can see the holiday season. You can see the holiday season because it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. There is much to see in the holiday season. Christmas presents, stockings hung with care, family, friends, and football. The reason for the season is bowl season, college football playoffs. And there's lots to see, lots to see in the holiday seasons. Advent, however, is spiritual. Advent is spiritual. You behold Advent by faith. By the eyes of faith you see Advent, and you are engrafted into the spiritual body of Christ. That is Advent. It is spiritual, namely the spiritual body of Christ. What is the spiritual body of Christ? That's the question I want to answer from Zechariah's third night vision this morning. What is the spiritual body of Christ? The first thing we learn from Zechariah in this night vision in our text this morning is that the spiritual body of Christ is a multitude. We read chapter 2, verse 1, And I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. We are introduced to a new character. He's a surveyor, and he's going to measure. Verse 2 says, Then I said, Where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what its width and what is its length. Here we have an engineer, a surveyor, wanting to see how large, how large Jerusalem was. How big? How big is Jerusalem? And the answer is, not big enough. It's not big enough. Why? Because God so loved the world. It's not big enough because of Advent. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so there will be the need for a new Jerusalem. A new Jerusalem because the multitude is too many for any earthly walls. And so there's an urgency here of this angel. We read in verse 3, And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward. That angel who talked to him, that's that interpretive angel who's been with Zechariah the whole time. And, and then we get another angel. Another angel came, it says, came forward to meet him. And that angel said to him, run and say to the young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls. Jerusalem is not big enough. We need a new Jerusalem, one without walls. Why? Because of the multitude of the people and the livestock and their private property. <laughs> the private property rules and the peoples together. There will be too many. We need a greater city. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews talks about this greater city in Hebrews 11. Uh, Hebrews 11. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, verse 16. The writer of Hebrews says, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 16, excuse me. It says, but as it is, they, that is, those of faith, the patriarchs, he's talking about the patriarchs here, the patriarchs desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. 
Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Hebrews is telling us that our Old Testament fathers, the Old Testament fathers, they longed for a greater country than the land of Israel. They longed for a better country than the land of Israel. They looked beyond the earthly sign of the city of Jerusalem, the promised city of Jerusalem, and they saw a greater city to come. One without walls. A greater city, a spiritual home. Hebrews 11, if you look up verse 9, it says, By faith, this is Abraham, by faith Abraham went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. What Hebrews is telling us here is that the land of promise The true land of promise lies beyond this world's bounds. The holy land lies beyond this land, this world. It's greater than Palestine, Vatican City, Mecca, Washington, D.C., Grand Rapids, Salt Lake City, Moscow, Idaho. Any place where man says this is holy land. No. Holy land's greater and beyond this world. In the ancient Near East, a walled city was necessary. No walls meant no protection. No walls, no comfort. So the angel in Zechariah's vision, he addressed this discrepancy, this perceived weakness of Israel without walls, Jerusalem without walls, because he says it will be inhabited without walls because of the multitude. And then the angel says, but don't worry, verse 5, and I will be to her a wall. I will be a wall of fire all round, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. The city designed and built by God, is a city walled in and protected by God himself. This means Christians, Christians don't need Christian politicians to protect us. We don't need Christian princes to defend us. Christianity doesn't have a flag. Christianity doesn't have a nation. We don't live by sight. We have the glory of God in our midst. Advent, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us is our security. And we receive God's glory in no other way than by faith alone. Christian, the gospel is your security. You know, the gospel is actually your home. The gospel is your nation. We are a gospel people. We need a gospel place. Therefore, we must put on Christ because it is not I who live, but Christ in us. Christ in us means his righteousness is my righteousness. His righteousness is my righteousness before God, and thus I am secure in Christ. Christ in me means I can now live 
seeking the things above. Because I am in Christ, he is my righteousness. Because Christ is in me, I can seek the righteousness of God in all good works. Christ is our security. In Advent, the writer, the writer in Zechariah's first night vision, the writer has come to destroy sin and death. He has come to destroy and overcome Satan because Christ is our security. Now, Advent is this engineer, this surveyor, this engineer who has come to build his church from the Satan, from the destruction of Satan's kingdom. And by faith, the church is as many as the stars in the sky, many yet one in Christ. Multitude, but we're a spiritual people. Multitude, many, but we are one in Christ, one body in Christ. Therefore, we are a holy nation and a royal priesthood. And the architect, the divine architect, works in us both to will and do according to God's purposes. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are in and of the gospel, secure in Christ. Now, unfortunately, many Christians don't find the security of the gospel. And the reason Christians... And I would add, most Christians don't find the security of the gospel is because they're too busy living by sight. They're too busy living by sight. Arminianism is a doctrine of sight, living by sight. You are not secure in Christ until until I can see enough good works in you. Until I can see you do enough, you're not secure, and you can lose your salvation at any moment. And sight is terrible, by the way. Just look at you. Just look at you. Who are we? Such sinners. Sight is terrible. Now, the Anabaptists, the Romanists, and the fundamentalists, they live by sight. They say you're not secure until we transform heaven on earth. And how's that going? Sight is terrible. Look how terrible society is. Look how terrible governments are. Sight is terrible. It's a terrible way to live. There's no security. But then by faith, look at Christ. Perfect. And look at his church. Indestructible. The gates of hell will not prevail against her. Faith is the way to look. You see, those who live by sight, they eschew grace and faith. And both are forms of unbelief, by the way. Just look at Christ. He's perfect. You see, sight is a pipe dream. Those who think they can do enough to be saved, pipe dream. Good luck with that. Just look at you. Those who think they can be good enough for Christ, good luck with that. And those who think they can build heaven on earth, that they can build a city fit for Christ, yeah, good luck. Haven't seen it in 2,000 years. Keep going. You're almost there. Not quite. Not good enough. Never. You see, we cannot ascend heaven by our works. So Advent, Christ descended to save us by grace through faith. So put away your good works, dear Christian. Put away your good works and receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom not of this world. 
The spiritual body of Christ is a multitude, and it is secure. And so the angel says in Zechariah's third night vision, chapter 2, verse 6, Up, up, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord. The land of the north, that's the Babylon. That's Babylon. That's where they are. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heavens, declares the Lord. That's spreading abroad. That's the, that's the exile. Israel's been spread. Israel, northern and southern Judah, they've been spread throughout the world. Assyria, Babylon, Persia. They've been spread. The spreading was exile. But Zechariah is here to say exile's over. Now it's time for Exodus. Exile's over. Now it's Exodus. So we must escape the death angel. We must escape the death angel who's coming to destroy Babylon. We must come because the angel is coming to destroy Babylon. And God's people do not belong to Babylon. They must escape. Verse 7, where can we go? Verse 7, up, he says. Go up. Escape to Zion. Escape to Zion, you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. The only safe place we can go is Zion. Escape to Zion. If you're into highlighting your Bible, I would highlight that clause, escape to Zion. Escape to Zion, underline that because that is our resistance. We resist this world by escape, by escaping to Zion. Escape to Zion, you who dwell in Babylon. You see, we don't belong to Babylon. We live in Babylon. We live in places reserved for destruction. It's not our home, but we do live here. You see, we are pilgrims and exiles, living in places reserved for destruction, but longing for a better country that is a heavenly one. And Zion is our home. And though we wait, the heavenly city is not far from us. Like the wrath poured out on Egypt at Passover, God's people living among the Egyptians, they escaped judgment under the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the doorposts, right? And so too, God's people must find peace under the sacrifice of Christ. And where do we find this protection in Missoula, Montana? We have it. Where is the protection of God in Missoula, Montana? Baptism. Baptism is our exodus. Baptism is our exodus where we have passed through Christ's blood. We have passed through his blood perfectly, spotless, clean. And we have come to Zion itself. We have passed through the waters of Christ's wrath poured out on Christ. And we have received Zion, the Christian Sabbath. In worship through the means of grace, we come to the festive gathering. We've come to Zion itself, and we are the people of Zion. And Zion is our place, a spiritual place for a spiritual people. And spiritual is real, by the way. Spiritual is real, just as real as nature. Maybe even more real. Although we don't see it with the eyes. It doesn't come by sight. We receive the spiritual by faith. By the eyes of faith, we know that we worship here. We worship in Jerusalem the golden. And worship is our escape. 
And we need it, for this world is evil. We must escape this evil world. Verse 8, he says, For thus said the Lord of hosts, After his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. The plundering here, the plundering is the injustice we face as the horned nation beasts attack Christians. We don't know of this attack in America because as American Christians, we've always had security. Society has always had our back because society had a positive view of Christianity. We were, after all, the moral majority. Right? If you're under 45, you know what I'm talking about. But you young people now, you live in a world where our morality is a threat to the revolution. You know, the world doesn't mind you confessing Christianity, but they don't want you practicing Christianity. You can believe it in the closet, you can confess it here at church, but don't walk out those doors and try to practice it anymore. We've lost that security. And the old moral majority is fighting. They're fighting back to win. They're trying to win back their privilege. And they continue to fight culture as they've always fought culture with culture. It's the old fundamentalism that gave us rise, that gave rise to the moral majority. And so many of these Christians now think, now that we don't control culture, so many Christians believe now that we don't control culture, it's all lost. The faith once and for all delivered for the last 2,000 years. It's gone in America because we've lost our grip on culture. It's a form of unbelief, by the way. To believe just because the world is going to hell in a handbasket that Christ is not on his throne. Christ is on his throne even when the church is being persecuted. Christ is on the throne mocking the governments of the world that attack him. He's sovereign at all times, in all places. And what did Christ say to Peter when he pulled out his sword? Put your sword back. Put your sword back in its sheath. Vengeance belongs to the, earth, to the Lord. The meek shall inherit the earth. You see, we exercise resistance as Christians, but our resistance is not of this world. We have a Reformed Christian resistance theory, but it happens to be biblical. <laughs> it's not of this world. We live and fight by faith through the gospel alone. And there's no greater weapon, Christian. The gospel in the hands of the church will destroy Satan's kingdom one salvation at a time. You see, Christianity is not a religion of compulsion. It's not a religion of dominion. You can't force someone to become Christian. How does someone become Christian? The Holy Spirit, it's spiritual. The Holy Spirit works faith in your heart. Regeneration, the doctrine of regeneration. The Holy Spirit works faith in your heart, as the Heidelberg says, by the preaching of the gospel. That's our resistance. That's who we are this side of Advent. But the Lord will touch 
those who attack the church. Verse 9, he says, Behold, I will shake my hand over them, and they shall become plunder for those who serve them. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. God's wrath will return. God's wrath will return an eye for an eye. Those who plundered God's people will be plundered, like at the Red Sea. The Israel of God will plunder this world. This is second advent. This is future. Verse 9 is future. This is when Christ returns and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord and you will see this with your own eyes. You will see. It will not be spiritual. It will be sight. And we will live by sight. As God promised Moses, he promised that the whole world would know. Yahweh promised Moses that the whole world would know that he was God and he alone when he destroyed the Egyptians at the Red Sea. And Advent is the real Exodus. Advent is the real Exodus. When Christ returns, the world will see our deliverer. The death angel will pass over us who are baptized, and he will consume the world with fire. And then we will reign with Christ by sight forever. That's future. Verse 10 is present. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. The Lord dwells within our midst this day. This is the present work of Christ for the first advent. Christ is building his church, and it is a time for us to believe. It is a time for us to sacrifice. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, As you come to Christ, living stones, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, the living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The Lord dwells within the midst of his church. He's in our midst because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Living stones being built up. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is being joined together to grow into the holy temple of the Lord. You, we, are the temple of the Lord, built for God's dwelling. You see, the spiritual body of Christ is a multitude of secure Christians who are one. That's my final point, three points, three points to my sermon. We're a multitude, we are secure, and finally, we are one. We confess it, right? One holy Catholic church. One. One is who we are presently. Verse 11, and many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people, and I will dwell in your midst, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The many nations coming to Christ is now, right? The church is one people of every tribe, tongue, and nation where there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, one in Christ. Put on Christ, and you are one. A temple of the Holy Spirit, multicultural peoples, a multicultural, a multicultural temple that is now heavenly cultured. Heavenly cultured, the righteousness of God. We are the Israel of God the new Jerusalem, the people in place of God's dwelling, not of this world. Verse 12, and the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the holy land and will again choose Jerusalem. This is present. 
Holy Land, this phrase, Holy Land, another highlightable word, phrase, this word, Holy Land, is only found one place in the entire Old Testament, right here. This is the only Holy Land reference in the Old Testament. It's pretty remarkable. And it signifies that God is sanctifying his people to be a holy people, a place for him fit to dwell. He is making his land a place fit for dwell, for him to dwell. And we have that place of glory here, a city on a hill whose protection is the flaming wall of glory. It's no longer that flaming sword. Remember that flaming sword in the book of Genesis? The flaming sword that kept Adam from God's presence has now become a flaming wall that keeps the multitude in his presence. The flaming sword that kept us away from Christ is now the flaming wall of God that holds Christ's people together and we are one and we are secure, walled in, protected by his glory. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is the means of grace that makes us one in Christ. And Judah in Jerusalem means unity. The church is now one. We are the elect Jerusalem, the greatest blessing. And the greatest blessing that we have is elect saints of heaven. The greatest blessing we have in our union with Christ is Christ. We have Christ. And we are one with Christ and his church. And we are one together, a spiritual family. Verse 13, he says, be silent Be silent, church. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord. For he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. This is future. Wrath is restored. It's being stored up. Wrath is stored for the future. This is the declaration of physical judgment to come. And we will see it. We will see it. Perhaps we already see its precursors. It's beginning to look a lot like judgment. (laughs) Just turn on the news. Sing with me. It's beginning to look a lot like judgment. Of course, it's been been looking like that for 2,000 years. We're not special. We'll live by sight then. This is a call to escape. The Lord has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Escape, Christian. Put away your good works. Put away your pet projects for Christ. And believe in his sacrifice alone. It is the only escape you have. You have no other escape. Look to Christ. Believe in Christ. Advent is Christ building one holy Catholic church from the nations that he will come again to destroy the nations. But for us in Zion, the Sabbath is our resistance. Go to church every Sunday, for there is no salvation outside of Christ's church. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.